Hi, this is Reno Lovison, executive producer at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com, an eclectic Chicago lifestyle podcast and media blog showcasing multicultural and age-diverse people engaged in the performing arts, publishing, local events, and business. We hope to show and tell you about Chicago from the perspective of those of us who live and work in the Windy City. My guest today is my good friend, Regina Harris-Bayaki. She is indeed a virtual Renaissance woman, an author, a music composer, and founder of the Haiku Festival based right here in Chicago. And Regina is also the founder of Six Degrees, a Chicago-based collective of women composers who represent a variety of different musical traditions. And I've had the good fortune of being able to video record Six Degrees on many occasions, on several occasions, and also uh, many of Regina's recordings as well. So Regina, why don't we start right there? Why don't we start this conversation by talking about music? Talking about music, okay. Well, if you wanna talk about Six Degrees Composers, um, I founded the organization in 2010. So this is our 11th uh, year that we're going into. So I'm really very happy about that. And the name came from the fact that when I initially started, we had six members. And so six members, six composer members, six women dedicated to writing, producing new music, and also advancing the music of other women. Uh, and it's something that I wanted to do because uh, there is a void there. There are a lot of concerts that are dedicated to uh, men, a lot of uh, uh, organizations dedicated, dedicated to what I like to call museum music. Music that you would, you know, that you hear on the radio, everyone knows it. Uh, I love Beethoven, but I don't wanna hear the fifth symphony every year and I don't wanna hear the seventh symphony every year. Uh, if I'm going to program Beethoven, I'd like to hear some of the things that are lesser known. Mm. And I think he would want it that way too. Uh, <laughs> well, he was lesser I, known at some point. Exactly. <laughs> you know, people don't realize, for instance, J.S. Bach, you know, yeah. uh, if had it not been for Mendelssohn, we wouldn't even know who he is. And he was the uh, choir master. And the setting that he wrote in was such that if he repeated a piece, the pastor would come up to him and say, what's going on? You played that last week. I don't want to hear that. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to hear new music. Want, ah, every, well, you know. that's a good point because you just hit the phrase I was thinking about is new music. And mm -hmm. I think it sort of answered my question in a sense is that the thing I wanted to ask you is I always have trouble when I'm trying to describe what it is, for instance, that Six Degrees does because it's not popular music in the sense of pop music it's not uh it's not top 40 it's not you know your uh, traditional um commercial music so what mm -hmm. is the term is the term new music is it you know how what do you say when you're talking about what we used to call serious music and a lot of people just defer to classical music you know when it's something that's more i don't know esoteric um what, what do you think how, how do you describe it well, for openers, I always say six degrees composers. Really, when you look at us, there are, you know, when you look at especially the original members, three of us wrote popular music. Uh, I write pop tunes all the sure. time. I write jazz. I write gospel. I write blues. I'm classically trained, but I grew up in the oldest Black Catholic church in Chicago. My, my grandmother played organ at Roberts Temple Church of God in Christ on 40th and State. That was a church where Emmett Till was buried. Wow. So, I mean, you're talking about, I come from a long tradition 
of, of black popular music. From the uh, time I was four years old, I sang in the, the girls choir uh, and that was at Metropolitan Church. So even though I was uh, you know, a member of the oldest black Catholic church, I had relationships with uh, African-American uh, churches AME Church, which is African Methodist Episcopal Church, with yeah. Baptist churches, with uh, Kojic, C-O-G-I-C, Church of God in Christ. So those people really incorporated a lot of uh, what you would call popular music in their services. Mm -hmm. They would never admit it, you know, because it's the devil's music. But <laughs> yeah. I would I would defy you to to close your eyes and listen to some of the music that you hear in those churches. And you know, you would think that you're listening to Motown. Well, it was a it was a secular sound, though, uh, being Absolutely. adapted or uh, to uh, to a more sacred environment. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, so. in Chicago, you know, I'm working on a project now where I I will point out that uh, Chicago was the first uh, city in the world to use a Hammond B3 organ within the context of gospel music. And most of the time when people think of gospel, of Hammond B3, they think of gospel music, but they definitely think of jazz. Sure. So um, Six Degrees, I oh, guess- Rock and roll too. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, any kind of popular music. Yeah. But I guess when you talk about Six Degrees, the bulk of the music we write is something that we learned in the academy. Mm -hmm. Very few places teach popular music, very few academic environments teach uh, gospel music. So we are classically trained, most of us, mm -hmm. uh, and then we bring our, our culture with us. Obviously, I bring my African-American culture. Uh, Esther Hunveria Punt brings her, her uh, Filipino culture and also culture from Thailand. Uh, Kyung Mi Choi brings culture from, um, from uh, Korea. Uh, Janice Miserell Mitchell. Uh, brings uh, probably what could be described as Italian and, and Irish culture. Mm. Patricia Moorhead definitely brings Irish culture with her. Uh, Ann Ward was steeped in, in African-American tradition. And it's interesting, yeah. Ann and I were talking before she passed and uh, we were driving in her car and, and I said, oh my goodness, there's Metropolitan Church on 41st and King Drive, big red brick church. And I said, oh man, I used to belong to the choir there when I was a kid. And she said, did you? And I said, yeah. She said, me too. And I said, was it the girls choir? And she was like, yes. But when we were members of that choir, it was not uncommon at any given time for them to have a thousand members. Oh you boy. Know? So, wow. I mean, you could be in this room with Ann Ward, you know, and not know that she was there. Sure. But, even a uh, choir though with even a couple hundred people who absolutely you know and, and even a hundred people i mean you don't always get around to everybody you don't especially when you're kids you know you stay within your little clique your little group sometimes that's so right I and, think and you great. know what adults too yeah but sure. you're right you, no, can be you know and and i could think in terms of as i remember you know her music um definitely had a more of a gospel and african vibe to it as i as i remember yes. um you know janice miserable mitchell of course you know i always think of being avant-garde and then we've got some people who are definitely modern and postmodern in their in their in their vibe. Maybe I need to stop yes. trying to put you into a box. But the only reason that I want to put you into a box is just that you know I'm always grappling for the language. You know when I go to say, well, 
you know, hey, Regina, you know, my friend Regina, she's a composer. Oh, what does she write? Well, <laughs> she's well I can give you I can <laughs> give you some perfect verbiage for that. Okay. And by the way, you can I don't think you can say the name of Ann War without saying AACM, the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians, okay. which was founded right here in Chicago by Muhal Richard Abrams and a few other guys. But uh you know, um, I was always taught that there are really only two types of music, good music and bad music. There you go. So I would hope that when you talk to people about my music, you say, oh, Regina Harris Bayaki writes good music. Cool. But as far as labels are concerned, you can always have a genre discussion. And of course, you know, that means obviously talking about uh, blues or gospel or jazz. Classical music, if you, with a capital C, obviously, and I shouldn't say obviously, because it may not be obvious to all of our listening audience, but Classical music with a capital C refers to the classical period. Classical that's right. Yeah, I know. Small, that's, right. With a small yeah. C sure. could be any any time. A lot of people like to call it concert music. That's a good one. Uh -huh. A lot of people like to call it serious music. Mm -hmm. Though to me, serious is, you know, and, and you always get into these um, class right. uh, words. And serious to me insinuates serious that discounts everyone else. Exactly. Like, we're serious and you're right. You're serious and they're not. No, no, that not and cool. that was sort of a you know something you and I heard probably growing up. It was something in the maybe late sixties and seventies. You'd hear people talk about serious music. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I think concert music or classical music, but even concert music. I mean, you know, you can be in concert with the the. Uh, um, uh, Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> but <laughs> I like new music. Though. I mean, that's what sort of triggered me right here. Is I sort of like new music in the sense of, you know, it it because it means that it's not classical with the capital C. It, and it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, you know, do you want to hear Beethoven's Fifth again or something? But you know, it's one thing, as you know, I do a lot of theater reviews too, and you know, Chicago in the theater community has a reputation for always loving to can always sell a musical in Chicago. You know, people love to see the same things over and over again. And I have, I have to say, I fall prey to the same thing sometimes. But, you know, trying to get, do. Yeah, trying to get new do. work. So sometimes is, you know, hard to get people out of their comfort, comfort zone, you know, because we like the familiar, we like to go back to what we, you know, what we know and want to hear the tunes that we love and so on and so forth. So uh, breaking people out of that mold is, is a challenge. But, you know, <laughs> you have been doing a good job of it. Six Degrees is one of those efforts that uh, helps people. It challenges people to, to listen and consider other points of views when it comes to music, to listen to something uh, new. And I might say, add exciting. I've, I've heard a lot of exciting music. I've, you know, I, I came to it totally blind. You invited me to come uh, and you hired me one time to record a, a concert and I didn't know what I was stepping into. And <laughs> many concerts later, I have become quite a fan and I look forward to, uh, to them as well and happy to promote them. So let's move on just a little bit and talk about Farafina a little bit, because since we're talking about a particular piece of music, um, uh, I've come to learn that the the word Farafina means land of the black skin, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it was a fun project for me to work on uh, when you, uh, was that the debut at Hot House? the uh when you when you did farafina was that or had it been played no it was a video debut so video. farafina had never had a video before okay 
So, so you invited me to uh, put some images together with that song. And, uh, and I'm proud to say, as I said to you, when I finished is one of those rare times when you do something and you stand back and you go, wow, that's really good. I'm really happy. I did that. I'm, you know, I'm really happy with what I did and I'm happy, you know, to see how our visions uh, came together on there. So, and I, I just came to love the song. No one has listened to it any more than I have. <laughs> when you do a project like that you lift it over and over again and that's true of all your music I've listened to it more than probably even Greg has <laughs> you probably know it better than I do <laughs> yeah. well so, you know I, I'd like to say a couple things first of all yeah. going back to that new music term yeah. uh, and I'll just be brief here uh, in 2020 uh, Six Degrees joined forces with New Music Chicago so we are not only our own entity, but we are also a member of New Music Chicago, pretty much for the same reason that, you know, you talked about, because we are doing the same types of things. Uh, the difference is New Music Chicago has, has men and Six Degrees Composers only has women uh, members. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so Farafina, you know, Farafina, it's interesting. I presented this at uh, University of Indiana at South Bend last summer, no, it had to be summer of 2019, because it was pre-pandemic. And one of the first things they said to me was, oh my God, when you look at the words, it's, it's you know, can be very sad, because it was a piece that was inspired by uh, the uh, brutal murder of Laquan McDonald. They said, but the music is so upbeat and engaging. And I never really thought of it that way. I know that sometimes, um, I have to make a conscious effort to write happy music. Mm. It's very, I, I love writing sad music. And I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm a sad person, but sad music to me is more interesting to write. And when you look at some of the, the big Wagnerian pieces or some of the big pieces by someone like Florence Price, generally it's the pieces that are filled with turmoil and overcoming that turmoil that are more interesting than, than this lottie da tip throw tiptoe through the tulips kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't like writing that. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of um, girly music is what they expect <laughs> women and girls to write. And I can do that. I mean, if that's what I'm hired to do. But, yeah. um, but with Farafina, I think what happens is that musically, there's so many emotions that are expressed. And when you're telling that kind of story where you're talking about all of these people who are either related to the Black Lives Movement or who have, uh, you know, who lived in that era, you know, that's some pretty sad stuff, you know. Well, I, I, yeah, and let's set this up a little bit because then I'm going to play a little piece of it. But um, and and interesting that you say people who lived in that era. Well, I mean, unfortunately, we live in that era. That's right. <laughs> You know, Farafina, I'm glad that you mentioned what you did about the sort of sadness of it. What I really think is complex and interesting about this tune, and again, our listeners will be able to hear a little bit about it, so I want to set it up for them, is that um, it has this undertone of sadness. It's not in your face sad. It just, you know, it has an upbeat rhythm. It has a very um, interesting rhythm to it. It's, it's a kind of a... Um, uh, what's the word I'm trying, an anthem in a sense, okay. but at the same time, uh, it, it has this undercurrent of sadness, and I think that that's, uh, that's the message, you know, at least it's the message to me, is that, mm -hmm. you know, this is an ongoing struggle, 
and uh, and it's sad that it's an ongoing struggle. I'm going to talk about more about it when when after we've listened to it. But for the listeners to understand, it's a nine minute piece. I'm not going to play the whole nine minutes, but I am going to play the first couple of minutes just to give people a, a flavor of it and get a sense of of how it goes. So go ahead and if there's anything you want to say while I set it up. I wanted people to experience what I was feeling standing in my window. I had just had uh, surgery, so I was on crutches. And I wanted people to experience what I felt looking out my window, watching all of these marches in downtown Chicago and thinking, you know, wow, I went through this as a kid. My parents went through this. My parents' parents went through this. And I could probably trace my heritage all the way back to the first time that, you know, uh, my, my people were drugged here across the Atlantic Ocean. You know, we've been fighting this fight for 400 years. I'm sick of this, you know, and I just wanted to be the voice of people like Laquan McDonald and Eric Garner and uh, Sandra Bland and Rakia Boyd, you know, people who didn't get a chance to speak for themselves. You well, know, let's talk about it some more after we listen to three minutes. Um, okay, sounds good. Took everybody to kingdom come. 
so that song, I, listening to it again just now, I mean, I, I got chills again listening to it. And of course, you know, I like my, my podcasts to um, be evergreen in the sense that you can listen to this a year or two from now. And, you know, it has content that will be valid. I'm hoping that so I want to avoid talking about the fact that it is too valid at this moment with what's going on in the news today. And I hope that somebody listening to it two or three years from now will see that this is something in the past. But uh, unfortunately, it's not. It's, it's what's going on. So, but, you know, I love, the, I love the sort of African rhythm to it. I love the jazz sound of it. As I said, it has, uh, um, you know, there's this under, undertone of sadness, but there's also this hopefulness that I think somebody listens to the whole nine minutes will eventually see that it does get, it does get hopeful towards the end. But always yeah. still with that little bit of sadness, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's the reality. You know, and, and that's the nature of a testimony, which is what I was trying to do, because yeah. you want to tell the story, you want to tell the truth with the hope that it doesn't have to be relived, you know, because you can teach lessons, you can teach someone that fire burns without setting their hair on fire. Yeah. You can teach people that, you know, racism is not good for anyone, you know, without being a racist towards them. But some lessons are harder to learn than others. And some people just hold on so tightly. Uh, because, you know, I always remember that the person, the racist, the bigot was taught that by someone who loves them. Mm. And when you're taught something by, by your mother or your father or someone that you hold in high regard, sure. why would you take a stranger's word that it's really to the contrary? Yeah. You know, we're we're among the, the the lucky ones, the blessed ones, because our parents saw what the world was and told us, you know what, this is the way it is. But hey, this is the way it could be. Mm -hmm. You know, we could be better. We could be better people. But the only way you can make that claim is if you're open to knowing that no one's perfect right now. This is not our a perfect representation of ourselves. So you know. Things happen by revolution or evolution. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, I think we're in that slow grind evolutional stage and we've been stuck here for a while. Yeah. And it's not like we haven't made progress, but there's still so much progress to be made. And, you know, this is our life to live now. And people want change now because it's, they want it in their own lifetime. You know? mm -hmm. So thank you for that contribution to the world because I, I think it's a song that deserves to be heard and uh i hope that more people will hear it so i hope so message. too and yeah. you know i have to say something about the words my mom would always say you know you know where you've been but you don't know where you're going mm -hmm. and you know if you say that to a seven-year-old it's like oh what is she talking about you know it's like <laughs> i just want to get my ice cream cone or whatever it is that you're trying yeah. to do and then, of course, neither of my parents are here. And you think of, I think about some of the things that they said to me. And a lot of them have ended up in song lyrics because they were such good lessons. And, you know, that was kind of like the, 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 the impetus for Farafina. Who knows when they leave home in the morning, you always think you're going to come back home. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure Laquan McDonald, when he was skipping away from Jason, uh, Jason, uh, I can't even think of his name. Uh, 
anyway, when he was uh, skipping away from the Chicago police officer, never dreamed that this man was going to shoot him in his back 16 times. I think because I was recuperating, I, I, you know, read everything about this case. And if you just look at his story, it's just the saddest thing in the world. And it's not just Laquan, it's all of those stories. And, and you bring up the thing I, I found, you know, that's very powerful is in the middle of the song, you recite, um, you know, roughly 30 names of, yes. of victims of uh, racial uh, uh, profiling. And the, the really sad part of that is that between the time that you wrote the song and the time that I worked on the video, I had to add about 12 or 15 more names that weren't uh, in the original part of the original song that weren't, you know, that I, I you know, put in there as graphics uh, that you don't recite because they weren't in the original. So the point is that this uh, unfortunate situation um, continues. And, and you know what, Reno, is it's not just what happens in American cities when people are victims of gang violence or police brutality. You know, just the fact of these uh, Syrian babies washing up on the Turkish shore, yeah, these people, I right. mean, it's like, you know, these people are just trying to live their lives as freely as they can. And for the world to witness that and not be, not be brought to our knees that's one good thing about this pandemic that I was hoping is that, you know, because everyone had to be forced to take a time out that we would, you know, really look in the mirror at ourselves. And, you know, you keep hearing all these, you know, things about hitting the reset button. And, but we could really do that if we wanted to, mm. you know what I mean? There, there's, you know, so. Well, so these are, these are obviously issues that are, are too big for you and I to tackle at this point. You know, I think, all, all you can do as an artist to shine a light on it. Um, there are people who have the power who need to um, take action to, to make things better. And, all we and I think you just summed up Farafina. You know, I wanted to write something that would spark conversation. Yeah. And so it's not just about Black Lives Matter. That's at the core of it. Mm -hmm. But it's about injustice everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's systemic, it's age old, it's, it has been and will continue to be with us in some form, but uh, we, we can only hope to make things a little bit better. So, well, with that in mind, I was going to go right into things change, but we're going to, we, so you also wrote two songs, which I'd like you to talk about a little bit, um, that again, uh, thanks to you, I had the opportunity to work on on the video version of it. One was things things change. The other was mm -hmm. journey. My plan is that we'll talk about journey and and play a couple minutes of that during this conversation. And then at the end of the at the end of our podcast today, I'm going to play things change uh, as okay. we go out of the podcast. This is Reno Lovison, executive producer at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com, reminding you that you're listening to a conversation between me and Chicago composer Regina Harris-Bayaki. If you're thinking you'd like to make music of your own, check out LakeshoreMusicStudio.com, offering piano lessons for all ages, currently offering online piano lessons. As always, if you need audio or video production assistance for your business or organization, check out renoweb.net. Now back to our podcast. 
tell me a little bit about things change and a little bit about journey. Uh, tell the listeners a little, how did they, how did they come to be and what's that story? Okay. I uh, love Twitter and I'm on Twitter a lot, probably a lot more than I should be. And most of the people that I follow are composers, uh, musicians, uh, poets, writers, people who do things that I do. And then, you know, of course, I read the usual, uh, you know, new stuff that everyone ingests. And so uh, Miriam Capion is someone who she and I were following each other. And there have been a couple of people who have commissioned me to write music as a result of our following each other on Twitter. And she asked me if I would be willing to write some music for her choir. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. And she was really surprised because, you know, again, a lot of composers, um, you know, they don't like writing music for uh, non-professional musicians, mm -hmm. you know, because you're classically trained in the academy and all of that other nonsense, you know, the highbrow stuff. Anyway, uh, and it, it's interesting because over time, I think you'll see that the music that has the longest shelf life is the music that is written for the people yeah. and is performed by the people, <laughs> not, you know, somebody in an opera house yeah. uh, because lyric opera could care less about what I'm writing. Maybe one day they'll see the air of their ways. Not to mention but, that you have written, what, two or three operas? Well, I've written, I've written, <laughs> I've written one opera. We won't spend too much time on that, but we will right. mention it. Yeah. So I have written opera, yes. But anyway, so I said to Miriam, oh, sure. So we started talking about the things that you talk about when you agree to write music. How long is it? What are the kids, you know, what is their level of, you know, competency? What do they like to sing? And so she sent me their uh, last performance. And it was something that was done after the pandemic. So you've got these panels of photographs with all these little kids singing and I don't even remember what they were singing. I just remember saying, oh my God, I'll pay them to write music. <laughs> you know, cause I was just so taken by them. I love children. I love little kids. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so I was to write a song singular. And so uh, I think I may have written Journey first. I'm not sure. And again, I looked at it and I said, this is kind of reflective. It's not kid friendly enough, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to do something else. So I, I wrote Things Change and I really wanted to do, I like that little lilting piano where you kind of feel like you want to dance to it kind of thing. Sure. And both of them were aimed at teaching lessons because that's, you know, the kind of music that I grew up singing, uh, you know, as a kid. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I grew up with during the Motown heyday. So I sang all types of things, but in a classroom setting, it was generally something where you were teaching yourself a lesson. So uh, journey is about, you know, your journey in life and uh, what's going to happen uh, when you get to the end of your life. Mm -hmm. So it kind of reminds kids to, hey, you know, take, make the most of this. Have fun as a kid. Have fun as an adult. And, you know, be ready for, you know, whatever phase you get to. And then uh, things change is pretty much self-explanatory. It just talks about the only constant in life is change, you mm -hmm. know. And so I just wanted to, you know, write two songs that kids could be playful with and have some fun. And uh, I have fun and I, I, I think they did too. Yeah, oh, they were great. I will say, uh, again, you recommended me to, uh, to the, uh, the teachers who were putting the concert together. And so 
just for the, the listening audience to understand, this was a virtual concert that these kids were doing because they're all under quarantine during the pandemic and working from home. And so in Journey, each of the kids sang their piece, listening to a click track, and then they sent their video into their teacher. They videotaped it themselves or mm -hmm. with the help of the, a sibling or their parent. They sent that little clip to their their teacher, and then their teacher sent the clips all to me. And and, uh, and they're in Arlington, Virginia, and they're in Arlington, Chicago, Illinois. And I'm so in Chicago. That's yeah. Another. <laughs> yeah, and they they sent me their 50 clips, and I stacked them up and put them all together and uh, synchronized their voices and uh, got all their pictures on the screen as best as I could. And I think it came out really, really well. Uh, unfortunately, yes. podcast listeners will not be able to to see it, the video, but you will be able to hear a little bit of it. And you know, as as you said, I love children's voices. I think um, there's something just so honest about them. Yes. And, uh, and they're just so. And these kids, the first I think I told you, first one I listened to, I just was, I was literally hysterical. I was, I'm not kidding. I was slapping myself to keep from like laughing. <laughs> and it was laughing, not at them, laughing and just like, it was just so adorable. You know? And you know what? The <laughs> listeners can't see it because if they go on, on the Six Degrees Composers website, which is sixdegreescomposers.com. Yeah, there's a link there? Yes. Okay. I'll put the link on. And it's, on, it's on our YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Okay. Well, I'll put it on the Chicago Broadcasting Network. Okay. Uh, the the post page where this um, where this podcast will be living will have a link, or uh, I'll try to embed it if I can. So, but let's okay. take about uh, three minutes and listen to Journey.
I think it's important for listeners to understand this is not a children's choir. This is a choir of children, I like to say. This <laughs> is just, uh, you know, this, these are random kids as part of a class. They're not, um, you know. Right, it's a general music not class. An elite, it's a general music class. It's not That's an right. elite chorus. So, but again, you know, as, as I said earlier, what, what, tickles me what uh, what I really enjoy is the uh, the honesty of it and you know it is a kind of a folk song I guess is that okay to call it that sure I mean it's as good as labels any yeah simple. <laughs> I'm putting labels on everything I can't help it that's okay I don't mind I mean you know I don't mind it being called a folk song because this is a general music class this is like any other gen ed class everyone has to take general music mm -hmm. so your point is well taken everyone who walks through the door is involved in all of the activities in that class. So they want to introduce kids to something with the hope that either they will pick up a hobby for life or maybe they might be inspired to become a music teacher or a professional musician. Or maybe just the opportunity to lift your voice in song, which That's is right. um, mentally right. um, uh, satisfying and cathartic. Yes, and absolutely. absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and most of us do not get that chance enough. I find that people love to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Last pre-COVID, uh, I had an opportunity. You know, I play guitar. I, I do folk music. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I, yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm a, I'm a camp counselor guitarist basically. You know, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, but I have been invited by a few friends. You know, to, to put together parties because you know. There's a lot of people in our age group, they want to play, sing some of the old songs and they, you know, some folk songs and, you know, rock songs and things like that. And so I've done a few sing-alongs and oh. I, just, I just think it's great, you know, because people just want that opportunity to, to you know, as they say, lift your voice in song. Uh, people maybe don't belong to a faith community uh, mm -hmm. or some other opportunity, which is often where people get that experience. You know, so it, it's nice to just have a chance to sing. And I think for the kids to do that. And when I was a kid, I loved music class. I loved, you know, the opportunity to sing. So anyway, I, I really connect with them in, in that way. When we finish, uh, which will be shortly, uh, you know, because we're doing a podcast where, you know, we don't have to fit into any, any particular length, but I do want to wrap this up in a bit and uh, we will finish with uh, things change. Before we do that, though, the two things I want to do before we just have a little Chicago fun before we finish up, but uh, just to plug the Haiku Festival and tell us just a little bit about that, you know, what it is and uh, how it fits into the Chicago scene and into the world and national scene. Well, Haiku Festival is a something that I founded for children, my love for children, uh, and basically uh, Haiku Festival uh, offers poetry readings, workshops, and special events for kids. And we celebrate children through poetry while promoting literacy. April is National Poetry Month. So here we are, April 1st, 2021. And it's the beginning of National Poetry Month. And we invite kids from all over the world to submit poetry. It has to be 575 haiku because it makes it easier for us to judge uh, the haiku so that we're looking at apples versus apples instead of apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. Could you, and, I want to interrupt you for a second because I think it's important for listeners who maybe are not totally up to speed on their haiku format. Okay. 
I'm more than most because again, I sat through your uh, <laughs> you, you your seminar that my, I recorded. My <laughs> so Hi, okay. I should have gotten a certificate. I think uh, we 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 can do that. We can give you a certificate. <laughs> so, so haiku is a is a Japanese uh, art form, and it's basically a three line poem. The first line is five syllables. The second line is seven syllables, and the third line is five syllables. A total of seventeen syllables. And that's important to remember because this is our 17th year. I founded Haiku Festival in 2004. Wow. So we had a lot of activities planned around the number 17. I had been working on it for a couple of years and then the pandemic happened. But thanks to Northern Illinois University, they're going to try to recreate uh, everything that I planned uh, this fall. So we won't be able to do everything during National Poetry Month, which is now because we're still, you know, uh, have to be socially distanced. but we put out a call for poetry every year. And this year we got poems uh, from many, many more cities. Normally our poetry, the bulk of it comes from uh, the tri-state area, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin. We always get poems from literally all over the world. I mean, my favorite is when we get poems from places like Haiku, California. Uh. And, and my dream is to be able to offer you know, some kid who wins first prize that he and his family, three other people in his family get to go to Haiku California for a week for some of the Haiku festivals. But for now we offer cash awards. So the top prize is $100 when, when we, for as far as the competitions are concerned. And in previous years we give, uh, that's first prize per age group. Then second prize is usually $50, third prize is $25. So we give three $100 prizes, three $50 prizes and so forth. Mm -hmm. There's a Gwendolyn Brooks Award, there's a Founders Award, but more importantly, each kid, like this year, we got 1,023 poems. In, huh. in good times, all 1,023 kids would be invited to come to Harold Washington Library, which is the main Chicago Public Library downtown and they would get up on stage, read their poem, and they, they read it twice because haiku is so short. Mm -hmm. And it's always videotaped by Can TV, and they run it year round. And these kids are just so excited to see themselves on TV. And we also have, because I'm a musician, we feature child musicians, uh, children musicians. So mm -hmm. we've had solo violinists, we've had solo cellists, we've had solo pianists. And we always end the program with the Taiko Japanese hand drums because it's just so energetic and I love loud music and I love percussion music. Sure. And it's one place where a family can bring their strollers and they can bring their newborn babies and they can bring their grandparents. It's always a family friendly show. We always have a professional uh, guest poet. Uh, we've had people like Sonia Sanchez, Chris Abani, our poet laureate of the state of Illinois, Angela Jackson was a guest poet one year. And so um, it's just, it, it really is a festival and it's a culmination of the whole year. Usually in October, October through March, I'm going around to all of these schools in the tri-state area. I'm teaching workshops to teachers, showing them how to teach kids to write haiku. And I'm teaching workshops to kids, showing them how to you know, write better haiku. I give them formulas. I have little, all kinds of haiku games and books. And it, it really is festive. In the early days, we had a pizza party after the festival. 
And, you know, now we can't do that, sure. uh, not a, you know, because of the pandemic and everything. But uh, it's just poetry has always been a part of my life. And I have to say that this was inspired by Gwendolyn Brooks, because mm -hmm. when I was seven years old, my mother took me to the Museum of Science and Industry. And Miss Brooks had a similar program where she would meet at the, any kid in the country who wanted to come. It was usually kids in the city. And you went up and you read your poetry and she opened her pocketbook and gave kids money, prizes. Oh it's not God. like she had <laughs> underwriters or anything. I mean, at least I have some donors, you know. Yeah, yeah. But when I saw her take that money out of her purse, that just meant so much to me uh -huh. as a kid. And when she passed, you know, I talked to her daughter, uh, Nora Brooks Blakely and to Haki Matabuti, who's like her cultural son. Mm -hmm. And I asked if anyone was going to take up that, you know, mantle. And no one was really interested. They're not really poets. And I thought it was something that I could do. And here we are 17 years later. There you go. So she passed it forward and you're passing it on. That's great. That's awesome. And I hope so someone do you have else. A, do you have a haiku for me today? You know what? I always have a haiku. I know you do. That's why I, I didn't even tell you ahead of time. I'm springing it on you. I write every day. I know and you I just, you write I just, every day, right? Yeah. Oh, no, at least, at least one. Plus, I'm in a Ranga right now, which is related to haiku. I just love micro poetry. So haiku, tanka, Ranga, all of those. Mm -hmm. uh, let me see if I can read a, a nice family friendly. Uh, yeah, there you go. Let's see. I'll read this one. I inherited great grandmother's old soul as my first hand me down. And I'd like to read it again. I inherited great-grandmother's old soul as my first hand-me-down. And that's it. a poem that I have been rewriting for years. I actually wrote it uh, that I inherited my first brother's soul because I have an oldest brother that I never met because he died before I was born. And uh, this time it, it was recast using my grandmother's soul. I think we all have pieces of our, our family in us, you know, uh, and and we'll pass on pieces of ourselves to to the next generation. I think that's awesome. And certainly you do a good job of that, sharing your music, sharing your poetry, sharing your your writing and your books and so on. So let's wind this up with a little bit of Chicago fun. And uh, because this is Chicago Broadcasting Network and you interjected a lot of good Chicago stuff in here. So a little Chicago background. What what schools did you go to? I went to Hardigan Elementary School, which is on Root and State. Root Street is between 41st and 42nd Street on State Street, the Great Street in Chicago. Yeah. And then I went to uh, St. Elizabeth's, uh, which is the oldest Black Catholic uh, school church in Chicago. And they had a school and a high school, it was like K through 12. Mm -hmm. So I graduated from there. And then I went to St. Mary Springs Academy in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and fish out of water, absolute culture shock. My dream was to go to Dunbar. And so my father allowed me to transfer and go to a public school as a little Catholic girl. No religion class, yay. Anyway, so I graduated from Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School where they, the, the mascot was a mighty man. And I just absolutely love that school. Being in marching band, that's where I wrote my first music. Uh, it was for jazz band. I also wrote uh, things for small uh, string ensembles. Uh, I wrote marching music. I learned Sousa marches that I absolutely love. I just just love that whole culture 
Uh, and then what I was played, your instrument? I played trumpet okay, uh, right. in marching band. I played trumpet and French horn in the concert band. And then I played flute in jazz band. And I did that because I knew I wanted to be a composer. So I wanted to study each family of instruments. Okay. Guitar was my first instrument. I learned guitar when I was nine years old. And so, uh, and I, my, I made my debut at the Tiki Room uh, playing for my mother's tea. And that was like on uh, Cermak, not Cermak, it's more like 23rd Street in Michigan, no. right around, right uh, next door from Quinn Chapel, which is another big uh, historic place in Chicago. And then I went to Roosevelt University, okay. uh, which is in Chicago. And I went to DePaul University and I went to New York University. So that's, oh. Oh, and I also went to Northwestern and IIT because, of course, I had to study journalism and design because <laughs> those are the things that put food on my table. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> well, good. So you, you've got plenty of Chicago cred, so that's why you're here. And uh, with that in mind, pizza, thick or thin? Both. Oh. Wafer, wafer thin if it's blaze pizza. I know that's a cuss word to a lot of people. No, I was going to ask you which one you like. That's great. I like blaze pizza. I love blaze pizza, but I also like, you know, Eduardo's is not around anymore. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, Roots is a new place mm -hmm. for me. I like them. I like Giordano's. Um, I like Gino's East sometimes. And I love the place. What is the name of it on Clark Street? Oh man, I love that place. It's Oven Grinders. Oh, oh, I, yeah. oh I like okay, yeah. I like Oven uh, Grinders. Uh, yeah, I like that. Is that Clark or on uh, on uh, Lincoln? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Oven Grinders is on Clark Street. It's stuck in the basement, just south yeah. of Francis Parker. Okay, but it is Clark Street there. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Lincoln's. Uh, no, no, it is Lincoln. You're wrong. Okay. It's it's by the Bulls Jazz Club. No, I'd be willing to bet a pizza from Oven Grinders, dear, and you would lose. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'll tell you this. I mean, My favorite oh, foods are pizza and popcorn. There you go. Okay. So I, I don't think you want to wager, take that wager. All right, I'm gonna leave. But if you do. Okay. How about hot dogs or Italian beef? I don't really eat uh, Italian beef. I don't eat beef or pork. Um oh. And I OD'd on hot dogs as a kid. So, but when I was eating hot dogs, uh, I, I liked uh, Oscar Mayer hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, you know, uh, Greg likes this place called Ziggy's okay. on Clark Street. Yeah, yeah. He, he also likes uh, Riccobani's uh, Italian beef. Uh -huh. And there's another place called Frankie's. And I think Frankie's is in Naperville. So he, Greg is a person to ask about that. He also liked that uh, place on Clark Street, right off Fullerton. Can't think of the name of it. Oh, 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 um, I'm gonna start with the M, Michaels. Yeah. And I'm gonna wind up with, I'm gonna ask you four trivia questions. Uh-oh. Don't, don't take it too seriously. If you, let's just see how you do. I went to, I looked online and I saw that Chicago Public Library had some trivia questions that were music-based. And so I'm just going to see how we do on this, okay? <laughs> so, so which of these Chicago-based record labels has existed the longest? And I'm going to give them to you in alphabetical order. Alligator Records, Delmark Records, or Wax Track Records? I'm going to go with Alligator. Alligator. It's actually Delmark. 
I was gonna say Delmar. You, you should. know what? Because that's a jazz label. You should have. That should have been like your. And because I know the owners too. That's yeah, kind of bad. the new owners yeah. or the old owners. The new owners. <laughs> well, I know the old owners too, but I know the new owners. Oh, okay. Well, and that <laughs> yeah, was. The, I love that that question was there because I recorded uh, a music video called um, "Famine" for uh, a reggae artist, Tony Big Red Aiken. We recorded it at Delmark, and it's uh, right here at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com. You can check it out. Ooh. Got right in the studio. Okay. So, which Chicago-born singer was the mother of Saturday Night Live comedian Maya Rudolph? That's so easy. It's Minnie Riperton. You got it. I didn't even give you the multiple choice because I... No, you didn't have to. <laughs> because my uh, gospel teacher, Elsa Harris, used to be the... Um, she was like the... What do you call it? The house organist for um, whatever label Minnie was on. Okay. I thought it was cute, though, that when I looked at this, it said that the song Loving You uh-huh. was uh, written to distract Maya when she was a young baby. Oh, that's so Isn't sweet. Isn't that sweet? That, that is, is about sweet. Kids? Okay, what inspired the name of the Chicago band Earth, Wind, and Fire? I don't know, but I know who their teacher was <laughs> and their mentor, James Mack. Okay. <laughs> well, I would say Earth, well, Wind, and... I mean, you know, because of the, the elements, you yeah, know, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Do you think it was a high school science teacher, an astronomical, uh, astrological sign of the group's founder, or a passage from the Bible? I would go with B, astrological. And you would be right. Maurice, yeah. astrological sign, Sagittarius, inspired the band's name, according to whatever. Yeah, they all were uh, went to school uh, at uh, Crane. It was Crane High School and then Crane Junior College. And then the their teacher, James Mack, also uh, was the music department at uh, Loop College, which is now here at Washington Library. So I knew those guys and Curtis Mayfield and people like them through mm -hmm. him. You know, they're a lot older than I am, but I still, you know, th those people, oh my goodness, that's like the golden age of music, all those people that you named. Yeah, no um, kidding. Um, and I'm going to give a shout out to Shining Star, which is a tribute band that um, is just awesome. They do a great job. If you can't hire Earth, Wind & Fire, check out Shining Star. Okay. I, yeah, they were on stage with, I was uh, video recording, another group hired me, they were playing at a concert, they asked me if I'd come and, and you know, uh, videotape them, and they were opening for um, uh, the Beach Boys, and um, and then Earth, Wind, and or, uh, Shining Star played before them, and they were so good, I just, uh, I, I just, I always give a shout out to them if I can. May I plug my... Yeah, go throw it in here now. Wait, wait, let's end with that. I'm going to give you my last question. Oh, okay. Another question. Okay, so, so far, what is my score? Is it two You've out of done, four or three I out of four? I think you're three for three right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, well, Delmark was a little... Two, you're two for three. I'm sorry. You're wah, wah on Delmark. <laughs> um, this one is... This should be a no-brainer for you, too. Which Chicago folk singer was known as the first lady of the children's folk song and has performed her songs on seven continents? Uh, it would probably, I, oh my God. I, I can just, give you the multiple choice, but. No, you don't have to. I wanted to say Etta James, but I know it's not Etta James, but it is Etta. Uh, <laughs> you are so close. 
Of course. <laughs> uh, not, and you know, Edna, I, not Edna, but Ella. Oh, Ella, Ella Jenkins. You get yeah. It, yeah. And I wanted to say Edna James, but that would be hilarious. Yeah, um, Ella Jenkins, for sure. Ella Jenkins, yes. She was such an icon. I, I'm always surprised when I hear uh, certain people are from Chicago. And I know when I teach classes like History of Chicago or I teach a, a Black Arts Movement class, and the kids are like, oh, that happened here in Chicago? Yeah. You know, it's like... They're always so, and I say kids, but most of them are like college age, but they're always so surprised. Anyway, well, my new so, CD. Yeah, end up with your, you're going to plug your new CD and then we're going to wind this up. I, I knew when we started, Julie said, you and Regina, how long are you <laughs> going to go? I said, well, we'll see. <laughs> but I'm happy to, to say that I'm on a new CD called Good News mm -hmm. and it's, African-American spirituals and art songs featuring Otello Jefferson, who is a tenor in San Francisco. And I'm in great company, you know, and the only reason my name's listed first is because we're in alphabetical order, but it's myself and Harry T. Burley, who is the father of, of, of spirituals, Valerie Capers, a wonderful uh, jazz pianist and composer, Roland Hayes, Hall Johnson, uh, Charles Lloyd, uh, and the list goes on. Um, and I, the, the title of the CD is called Good News. Right. You have the CD there yes. in front of you? I don't. I, what I have in front of me is they sent me a text to show me that it's, it's gotcha. been delivered. And so I'll probably have physical copies within a week or so. Okay. But I'll find a, a graphic online and see if I can show that. And, um, but good news, okay. I'll, I'll put, uh, put a link up for that. Okay. So, and I'll put a link to your website and some of the many things that we talked about here. So our listeners can look at all this stuff and see if there's anything more they would like to learn about Regina Harris-Bayaki. They can go to chicagobroadcastingnetwork.com and check out the links. So I'm going to wind this up by saying thank you. And with that, we're going to close this episode by listening to a couple of minutes from Things Change. Thank, well, thank you. you so much for having me. I really appreciate it more than I can express. This was fun. Hello, my name is Elissa. Welcome to our performance, Things Change. Let's get started. <laughs> 